we have a responsibility to get the work to the streets. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Highways, um, movement of goods, these are things that we rely on every day. Got to have the ability to get their product to market. As long as you're performing, we want to be behind you pushing. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Digital Media Manager Paul Katul, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Will Kraft. He handles government and constituent affairs here at the agency. The last time you heard us, we had a great conversation with former MDOT Commissioner uh, Dick Hall. So if you haven't listened to that, please go back and check it out. We also teased a great slate of guests. We have a really fun interview with you with uh, for you today. We have Mississippi Today Editor-at-Large Marshall Ramsey. I'll go ahead and say a few things about him, but if you're listening to a state government podcast, you probably know who he is. That's right. uh, he is, of course, Mississippi Today's Editor-at-Large, a nationally recognized editorial cartoonist and author of several books. Uh, his cartoons have appeared in the Clarion Ledger, where he worked for 22 years, and uh, he's appeared in USA Today, CNN, Fox News, The Today Show, The New York Times, Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine, and 300 newspapers around the United States, lots of stuff. Uh, Marshall, we really appreciate you coming and joining us today. I'm incredibly nervous having to follow in Dick Hall's footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a good time talking to him, and we really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your, your background education, and, you know, why did you decide to be an editorial cartoonist? You know, it's really weird. I, Mom figured out when I was two that I could draw, and how she figured out was that basically that's how she kept me quiet in church. <laughs> like, oh, here's some paper. Now they actually do church bulletins for kids. But back in the day, of course, they just invented paper. And so um, that was her way of keeping me quiet. Well, suddenly she discovered I was actually pretty good at it. And then when I was eight, I told my dad, I'm going to be an editorial cartoonist, which was the weirdest thing an eight, eight-year-old could tell a father. I'm sure he was hoping I'd be like a pitcher for a baseball team or a quarterback. But to his credit, he patted me on the head and said, you're going to be the best one ever. And so from that point on, I just knew what I wanted to do. And I uh, was very blessed to end up in Mississippi in 1996. And it's just been to the throttle ever since. I guess I'll use driving terms. So, I like it. Yeah, yeah could, very much so. Could, what, yeah. what was your education kind of background getting into uh, as college or whatever? Or yeah. You just could dive right into You're You're drawing. assuming I'm educated. Absolutely. Okay. Um, no, I, I drew cartoons in high school. My very first one got me sent to the principal's office. And like I said, the hook was set at that point. Yep. And I went up to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, um, and I thought I was going to go into advertising, but I started drawing cartoons on the behest of my RA my freshman year at the school newspaper and started doing it five days a week. And at that point, I mean, there was nothing else. And of course, naturally, my first job out of college wasn't at the New York Times or the LA Times. <laughs> it was actually as a high school janitor. Um, oh, so, wow. so I like to tell people that's where I got most of my training for politicians was cleaning up after high school students. <laughs> okay. I felt like there was some uh, synergy there. Well, uh, how, oh, wait, your funding just got cut for me saying that. Yeah. I, I apologize. Okay, there we go. No, no problem. We'll okay. work on that we next session. Okay, know? that's good. What's, uh, what's kind of your process for coming up with your ideas for cartoons and, and how you go about uh, the messaging behind it? I have a crack staff of comedy writers in this building and across the street at the Capitol that literally <laughs> just give me ideas uh, aplenty every day. You know, I mean, seriously, um, you know, I when I came here, I was a cartoonist because I was my job, right? Then I started having kids. You know, I'm not a native Mississippian, but my three boys are. 
and I want this to be the best state for them so that they can have the opportunity to stay here. Right. Um, you know, so, I mean, that kind of drives how I view, and, and I do primarily, you know, particularly for the stuff from Mississippi today, it's primarily, you know, it's Mississippi-centric, which is very rare. Most cartoonists don't do local cartoons. Um, but my process, you know, I literally will read the news. I see what's going on. If there's something that moves me, if it outrages me, if it tickles my funny bone or whatever, um, I just start sketching. I start sketching ideas. My editor now is Adam Ganeshow. Um, it, for years, it was David Hampton, uh, you know, at the Clarion Ledger. But then I present several ideas, maybe three or four or five, to, to my editor. And they'll pick which one they want. And I draw it up and we post it. It used to be going to the newspaper. Now it's going on, you know, whatever it goes on the Internet. So uh, my process is that. And, you know, I'm not the best artist. I'm probably not the best idea guy. What I am good at is no matter rain, shine, you know, 9-11, you name it, I can come up with a cartoon idea. And I look back over 25 years of doing this and the fact that, you know, literally the, the day I had cancer surgery, a cartoon showed up the next day. You know, it's well. just that's what I'm good at. And I think living here makes it easy. No doubt. And that's one of the most impressive things to me is every day yet you have something. So you must have creative blocks sometime. How do you kind of overcome those? Everybody has creative block. I mean, if you're a 10th grader right now listening to this and you have a paper due, there's nothing more frightening than a white piece of paper. Mm -hmm. If you're having to do a press release for, you know, MDOT, there's nothing more frightening than that blank screen. And, and you know, my advice on anybody on, on writer's block is that you just work through it. You literally, I may produce 10 terrible ideas, but I've produced ideas and I'll get a good one eventually. So I think the only thing that ever gives me truly writer's block is just fatigue and being tired. And I, I was joking earlier about caffeine, but yeah, I mean, there is something to be said <laughs> about and my, my caffeine of choice is unsweet tea, you know, so I'm not, okay. not quite to no dose at this point. But, you know, there are times when you kind of need a little bit of boost. But yeah, fatigue's probably the worst thing for writer's block that there is. But like I said, you know, when you live in a target rich environment to quote Top Gun, you know, which is, you know, the movie, one of the few movies that I can quote the whole thing through. Um, you know, it's not hard, you know, come finding a topic. It's just I can't do a cartoon about something I don't care about. And so that's probably the other thing, too. It has to be something that I actually care about. But, yeah, that's how you get past the writer's block is just do the work. That makes total sense. Yeah. How about, like, when you're, you know, it, there's a, a part of, of your cartooning that is very much so journalistic, right? You're presenting right. information from a standpoint of kind of the, the, the newspaper, if you will. How do you kind of make that balance between – this is fact-based reporting, and this is a fun cartoon, you know? I, you know, I can tell you it's about humor. And you can watch every stand-up comedian there is out there. You can watch every late-night hosting, everything else. If you're trying to base humor based on something that's not true, it's going to fall flat. Because at the end of the day, that's what makes something funny is the, is the innate truth to it. Now, sure. the, the question for me is, as a journalist, as you say, and one uh, girl that I dated in college said that I, I was a journalist like a barnacle is a ship. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean, you know? Um, but, of course, naturally, I'm not married to her, so it all worked out well in the end, thank goodness. Um, but the, my point on this is that, you know, there are journalistic principles, obviously, you know, libel and things like that that, sure. I, that I pay attention to. But... At the end of the day, if, if the joke doesn't work, and that doesn't mean necessarily I have to do a joke per se per day, but, you know, the humor works. I mean, seriously, you look back in the last 25 years, um, 
because, you know, Governor Fordyce was the way he was or Governor Barber was the way he was or, you know, Mike Moore or, you know, Tate Reeves or whatever, that because that truth of whoever they are is what makes for a good caricature and a good, you know, cartoon idea. Yeah, no lack of characters here to characterize. We have a deep bench. <laughs> Absolutely. Very deep bench. So we will, this is an MDOT podcast, of course. We will take it back to MDOT a little bit. What's it like been covering the DOT, the MDOT over the years? Uh, any memories from uh, from MDOT? Well, um, Brad's bo- boring. He really is. You're just going to have <laughs> to come up with somebody more exciting than him. I mean, darn it, he knows his job and he knows how to get things through the legislature. Yep. You don't want that. You want turmoil and catastrophe and, and chaos. Now, you know, um, now Butch, obviously Brown was, um, bless him, uh, was a lot of fun. And he made my job easy. But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, one of the things about – MDOT and what you do. Of course, it's incredibly important for the state. And, you know, when you walk in and see Billy McCoy up there, I genuflect because I drive so much around the state of Mississippi being editor-at-large. If it wasn't for the four-lane highway program, you know, I mean, I may not even be here because I swear I think the roads have saved my life several times. (laughs) Uh, Thank God for rumble strips. But, um, I mean, obviously what you do here at MDOT is so incredibly important to the day-to-day lives of everybody. So, yeah, I mean, when I'm doing issues on that, uh, whether it is – uh, the pyramid's getting built faster than, you know, what's going on in Richland right now or, you know, anything else. Um, there's It's going to resonate with people because people care about it because it's their day-to-day lives. So what y'all do, obviously, MDOT, whether it's roads or all the other transportation issues you're dealing with, uh, this is a huge, huge function of state government. So it's incredibly important. That makes sense. So you mentioned Highway 49. So we have this cartoon here. If you're listening, you won't yeah, be able to see really it. Yeah, it looks really good on radio. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> on, on YouTube, though, if Such you look a at visual it, it says <laughs> how the MDOT executive director should have been chosen. First one who gets Highway 49 done gets the job done. So it this summer, it's going to be done. So do we get another Highway 49 You don't cartoon? brag on a dog till it's dead. Fair there enough. We go. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no, okay. Oh, wait, Pete is on the line. Uh, sorry. That's, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if I'm allowed to use that one. Uh, but no, All no, good. it's exciting. I, and I will say this. This is Marshall Ramsey's opinion and Marshall Ramsey's opinion alone. It's not Mississippi Today's opinion. The biggest wasted opportunity that should have happened in maybe the 60s is they should have built a limited access highway from Jackson to the Gulf Coast. And, and it's not, I mean, you know, MDOT's made a lot of safety improvements. I'm incre- increasing on 49. I drive 49 a lot, okay, down to the coast. I'm, I'm about to do it in a couple of weeks. The, you know, the obviously putting shoulders. Hey, that's nice, you know. And, of course, the traffic lights, I joke that in the time we started this podcast, there's six new traffic lights on 49. I agree. It's crazy. But, but like I said, if they could have built an interstate back in the day, because if you notice when you're driving on 49, most of the cars, and this is very unscientific, and I know you all have the data, but they're from out of state. So you've got a lot of a lot of out-of-state traffic on there, which got to befuddle and, and bedazzle and make everybody crazy in the, in the wonderful towns between here and, and Gulfport yes. that are trying to pull, you know, trying to turn left. You know, it's like, help. So, I mean, there's that issue. I mean, y'all are doing as good a job as you can on keeping it a safe road, but that's my two cents on, on, on that. I don't even know what the question was because that's – where I go. Uh, well, we're talking about you nailed it. But I've wanted yeah. to rant about that for years. And now that <laughs> now I finally got the MDOT's attention. Got this book here. Um, yeah. yeah, that book, that one's really so old. Many. Yeah, That's that, right. That one's super old. This one's off the uh, Brad yellow. White collection here mm-hmm. is where you got it from. I mean, it's, we've got a little tatter and tear going on, but the, the value is still in there. They've still got all the ads, I mean, all the great cartoons. Any kind of favorites over the years, maybe? Yeah, um, I do. It's kind of like kids. You know, you, sometimes you like some more than the others, depending <laughs> on the day. Um, sorry, guys, if you're hearing this. Um, but the 
the work that I did during 9-11 was very meaningful because that was a very difficult time for this country. And there was so much horrible things that were going on, but so much good, right? Sure. Same thing with Katrina. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, we're coming out of the pandemic right now. And I'm, our, our um, track record as a society is at best mixed uh, for the last two years. But boy, after Katrina in Mississippi, folks, if you're listening to this, I hope you're proud of yourself because... Um, you know, I was down both as a journalist and as a volunteer for my church, and there would be people from all around the country that would be working, you know, to help us out. And they would say, this is the most amazing place I've ever been. I've never seen the kind of be able to pick yourself up when you got knocked down resilience that you have here in Mississippi. And I wrote a book called Chainsaws and Casseroles because I've got a theory that, you know, when you get hit by the tornado, which we do here in Mississippi, and it's kind of our superpower is getting hit by tornadoes. <laughs> uh, it sounds like freight train. but um, It's very true. It does sound like freight train, um, which I didn't know that until I moved here. Same. But I will say that, um, you know, there will be the church van out in your front yard full of people with chainsaws and casseroles because they're going to cut the tree out of your house and they're going to feed you. And that's and, and it's because we have so much need here, but we do have that superpower. And so the cartoons that I did after Katrina, which were, that was the second time I was a Pulitzer finalist, uh, which is a fancy way of saying you didn't win. But uh, <laughs> but it was still, you know, I'm in the room, so that was that's kind right. of cool. But um, i got to say that, that that work, to see something that I did cut out and put on the side of a FEMA trailer, you know, that was a, that was a very – uh, wonderful experience. And I've had a few since, you know, like the Barbara Bush cartoon I did a couple, two or three years ago. I got huge national right. acclaim. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm speaking at the Bush Library and I'm sitting on a stage with Jenna Bush Hager, which was the most, and I'm on CNN and Fox and Friends, which I should have gotten a Nobel cool. Peace Prize for that one. <laughs> Pull that off. So it was, you know, I mean, it has been, um, I, I can't think of any place else I could have lived other than here that's allowed me to create the body of work that's been able to allow me to have the the modest level of success that I've had. You know, I mean, I can say which one's my favorite cartoon. It's all because of where we live. And I'm not saying that Webster is the funniest place I've ever been. I'm just saying that it's just such a rich, that's why we have so many great authors. That's why so many so great sure. musicians and authors. Because the, the, the soil truly is fertile for creativity. How, working for true. Senator Cochran, uh, one of my favorites is the one that after he had passed, uh, already trying to send a little bit of heaven back. Yeah, uh, that's I've got it hanging up in my office. I thought that was definitely one of my favorites by far. Well, it's really weird because I mean, there's some people you just draw a zillion times. I mean, you know, like Trent Lott, I could draw my sleep, oh, yeah. and, and I think Trent's kind of happy about that. Uh, <laughs> no, he's like, what? I don't understand the hair. I don't understand why you drew the hair. <laughs> he said that to me the other day when I saw him. But um, you know, Thad was so under the radar. Just you know, he, he and Sonny Montgomery. They were just busy, you know, making sure right. everything was named after him in the state. <laughs> and, um, you know, then when Katrina happened, of course, he had to become Mr. Tough Guy. I remember drawing him for the first time. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I, I got to figure out how to draw Thad. And then, of course, then the, the McDaniel race, which that yep, that, yep. that was like, oh, wow, okay, this is uh, – game's on. I got to draw Senator Cochran. But I, I do miss him. And like I said, he was very good for the state. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. And uh, so this is a podcast. You do a little bit of radio yourself. Do you yes. want to plug you that? You can't tell by my voice. No. Uh, <laughs> totally. No, no, I have completely blown my voice out. And I don't know how. It's not karaoke, I promise. Uh, I would not do that. No, I do a radio show for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I do that on Mondays. It's called Now You're Talking. So I, I'm, I'm actually on the opposite side of the microphone. This there is kind go. of weird. 
and then uh, did a TV show for them also called Conversations, which I guess will come back in some form. But I also do an interview series um, called Mississippi Stories for Mississippi Today, which it's usually uh, 45 minutes to an hour where I have a conversation with somebody, whether they're famous or not, just as long as they have a good story. And like y'all, I mean, it makes it easier when you have good stories to tell. And we have great stories here and great people to tell those stories. Uh, I like to think it's kind of my way of of paying penance for all the smart aleck stuff I do do with the (laughs) cartoons. Uh, But I enjoy it. And, And, you know, I really enjoy interviewing people and talking to them and finding out what makes them tick. Well, that's good stuff, and uh, you know, we you've been doing that a lot longer than we have. So, can you impart any wisdom? Give us any good interview <laughs> that's tips? Right? Yeah. No. Just, no. No. I tell you what. And this was um, I worked for another radio station that I shall not name, and uh, they're good people. Gave me a good opportunity. I have no nothing but nice things to say about them. They have one of the hosts that had twelve questions, and he would interrupt them to ask them the twelve questions, mm. and I was totally different because I was like, I'm always like fascinated with what somebody has to say. Um, there's an author named Carl Melanis, for instance, and I don't, when I interview people, I don't write down questions. Now, I do do a script for the radio just because my producer wanted me to do one, but um, I do the homework and the research and find out about the person. And, you know, I, conversation. So I got 30 minutes, right? I'm talking to, it's like between the ferns. So you're <laughs> sitting there literally talking to him. I can't be a smart aleck, but so Carl Melanis is an author who's written probably the best book on Vietnam ever, and he's got a new book out, in which I, I, number one, read the book. If you've got an author in, read the book, okay? That's, rule, that's tip number one. That's a good tip. And number two, listen to what your guest is saying because you never know where the conversation's going to go. So Carl, you know, he, he literally was a Rhodes Scholar and felt guilty because he was also a Marine that he was not in Vietnam. So he, when, while in England, he went to a naval station in Africa, walked in the door, and he said, I want to go to Vietnam right now. So as a Marine, next thing you know, six weeks later, he's in Vietnam, charges um, several machine guns in, in a machine gun nest, takes them out, receives the, the, um, uh, the, the Navy Cross, which is one step below the Medal of Honor. So here's a guy that's Rhodes Scholar and, of course, a Navy Cross recipient. So, I mean, incredible hero and just a scholar. He suffered from incredible PTSD. And I remember just catching that little flare of that in an interview he did. So I said, look, I said, I just read a book on um, post-traumatic stress disorder a little bit. And I remember reading about how you were in an altercation with a car. And it changed the total direction of the interview. I hadn't prepared for it necessarily, but it was just gold. And his friend who had flown him down and said, that was the best interview I've ever heard Carl Carl say before. And it was just because I had done the the research on that and and wasn't so determined to get through my 10 questions, you know. And so sometimes, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got your questions today and you're going to want me to go in a certain direction. So you've got to have that framework. But just listening and being able to hear what people have to say, because everybody's got a story. And so it's kind of fun to bring it out of them. No, that's <clears throat> that's really good advice. We've talked about this before. So this is definitely my first foray into any kind of podcast or radio or anything. But I have, I have most definitely caught myself, you know, asking a question, and then I start thinking about, all right, what's the next, you know, topic we're going into? You know, and I realize, like, oh, wait a minute, what, what were you, you know, what yeah, was your no, answering? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, just think about it. I live my life like that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> oh, please don't let me trip over this curb. You know, I'm sitting there doing that, and I can't remember anything because I'm not listening because I'm so worried about falling over. That's very good advice, for right. sure. That, that and, advice. And, and do the homework, right? I guess that, yeah, do the homework, away. do the work. You know, it's just, I mean, there's... Uh, a great book by Stephen Pressfield, who wrote Be- The Legend of Beggar Vance, and he wrote um, okay. a couple books, uh, one about uh, Spartaca, I believe. But anyway, 
it wrote a book called the uh, the um, the War of Art, not the Art of War, the War of Art, <laughs> and it's about creativity. And and literally, he outlines you know what I talked about about uh, writer's block. He agrees with me on that. But he's just basically at the end of the day, if if you're a writer, write. If you're doing a podcast, do a podcast. You know, and I I had a really nice uh, guy come in today when I was talking down at an event I did for Mississippi Today, and he was talking about, well, I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm thinking about doing that. I was like, do it. Just just do it. And I, I guess maybe that's why I'm so prolific in all the different stuff I do. It's just at the end of the day, it's like, well, I just got to sit down and do the work. That's awesome. That's all, all very good advice. No doubt. Uh, you, you alluded to this earlier, talking about the time that you spend traveling the state and the, yeah. how wonderful the 87 program was and getting the four lanes out there. Um, you know, how important is that, though? I mean, to for economy, business, education, I mean, we've got to keep the system efficient and, and ready to go, you know, so we can get these products to and from, get the people to and from. I mean, that's just a, a resounding thing, right? Any, any thoughts on I could almost give the Dick Hall price of asphalt speech. You know, <laughs> I've heard it so accurate. many times. But, but that said, and like I said, I cannot stress how important, I mean, bloody 98. Everybody that remembers before they four-lane, Alabama, I know they're trying, but they need to get on the stick, go ahead and finish that out so it's four-laned all the way to Mobile. That's right. But that, you know, that used to be a horrific uh, road, you know, people going between Hattiesburg and Mobile, and they would die, you know. How many chicken trucks or log trucks have you been behind on 25 going to Starfall? Amen. You know, and then you don't have that problem anymore. And so, um, you know, if I need to get to Oxford, I can do it in just a hair between two and two and a half hours. And that's driving just barely above the legal speed, which I'm by just for that's don't, don't tell anybody. I just said that. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm a grandmother. I'm very careful how I drive because I drive a lot. I don't want to end up being a, a greasy spot in the road, but um, yeah, it, it totally changed. Obviously if you're in a development, it, you know, you can say, well, you can put your plant here because we've got roads, we've got rail, we've got all the things that we, you need. I mean, that's obviously why we have a Nissan plant and a Continental plant and so right. forth because we have the infrastructure that's here to do it. But that said, it helps the average man because it literally saves lives on, on a sing, every single day. And I'm glad, obviously, that we have the big pot of money that came in to be able to do some of the maintenance and to be able to keep it up because when you build a four-lane so that's a lot of upkeep. Oh yeah, did I mention expansive soil? Yes, oh, who clay? Right? It's the devil, you know. And, and you know, I mean, people give Richland a lot of credit. I mean, a lot of grief, and obviously, fifty-five South and Jackson and so forth. Mm-hmm. Until you live here and have had your house jacked up by a dude named right. Bubba three or four times, which I, I have, um, not in my current house, thankfully. But you know, you just you don't understand how destructive. And how difficult it is to build roads around here because you have to dig down really deep and bring in a lot of dirt and do it so that you don't are not having to repave every three minutes. That is that is the truth for sure. Uh, you know we've covered a lot of ground today. But we do have the most important question that must be asked, and it's Will's question. So he's gonna. <laughs> so he's why do you talk out. too much? Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, exactly. No, I'm, I'm just caffeinated to be That's honest it. with you. So hey, me too. I told him I polished off a fence post Red Bull before we came in here. So I was like, oh, hyped up for a Dude, second. Dude, man, I do not know CPR. So <laughs> you're playing with the devil with that. <laughs> so all right, as we've talked about, you spend a lot of time traveling, running around the state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any place kind of be you know? here at home or somewhere maybe out, uh, you know, away from population center, so so to speak. Uh, any place you're going through, you just got to stop in and get a bite to eat. Oh, bite to eat. That's tough. You know, I did a book with Robert St. John, who's uh, the chef and author, 
And he literally he took, took me to Letha's. He, we, I mean, Excellent. we'd stop at gas stations. and I mean, gas station chicken, folks, and potato wedges, mm-hmm. logs, potato logs are fantastic. I don't know. I mean, I have a it's, – it's, it's like a sailor having a girl in every port. I have a great <laughs> place to eat in every town that I'm in. And, sure. and two, I mean, Oxford, my gosh. I, there's like a name like six or seven places I love to go eat. Um, Starkville, same thing. So, I mean, it's hard to just nail down one. But that said, I pretty much know where every good place to eat is along the way. So um, Maybe maybe uh, one that you get to go to the least, or that you, but you really enjoy. Well, you're really going to press me on, a, on one answer he here. He needs an answer. He needs a sponsor. we got to so. get a – that's right. we got to fit. See, our, our game plan is all these recommendations next year when we host, we're going to do them from the location so we can also kind of get a taste of the food and, uh, you know, see what's going on. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think about that. Um, oh, yeah, Doe's, obviously, in the Delta. It's oh, fantastic. Man, it's good. some good eats on there. And um, – Gibbs down in you know Learned that was some fantastic eats there and of course here in Jackson I've got several friends that have restaurants and I love to eat at uh, you know it's so funny because my wife and I were like okay well, let's eat at the same place we've eaten at 19 times in a row it's like <laughs> well maybe we need to we've been married a long time maybe we need to to try some different food but, hey if it's good you know yeah I mean you know I mean we my son who just graduated from Ole Miss um Congratulations to him. He just rocked it. But, They're not um, rats. Yeah, no, he he did great. Um, but he, he likes to eat at Volta all the time, which is you know an old gas station in Oxford, and they have really good euros. So you know that kind of stuff. So I mean, we we we've got our favorites. So. I uh, I frequented the Chester Chicken on Highway 13 in Mendenhall for many a years when I still lived back home. So I know exactly. So you're you're from Mendenhall. Oh uh, yeah. That's oh, right. excellent. God's country. Yeah, Absolutely. my 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 uh, very good friend has a bookshop in downtown Mendenhall, junk oh, yeah. shop named Joe White. Yep. And Joe edited both my, my short story books and basically was the first person to see my cartoon ideas for about 20 years. Awesome. So, so you love wow. the Simpson County influence. Oh, I yeah, you got to love Simpson County. Uh, Good folks in both McGee and Mendenhall. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. For sure, for sure. So, Marshall, we really appreciate you coming and talking to us sure. today. Super interesting perspective on MDOT, cartoon, state government as a whole. So we know you're a busy man. As evidenced by your Twitter account, we see you posting, at Marshall Ramsey. There. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're for welcome. This was fun. It really was. I hope this was fun for y'all because I enjoyed it. I very awesome. much appreciate the tips, yeah. too, because just keep the mental program going up there. That's right. For sure. For sure. So we'll go ahead and uh, wrap things up right now. We want to thank our listeners out there for tuning into the Extra Mile podcast. We also want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, and our editor, Drew Hall. Uh, remember, you can watch and listen to each episode by visiting gom.com forward slash the extra mile and be sure to follow us on facebook and twitter that handle is at mississippi dot and as always remember to drive smart out there on mississippi highways